This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, for another Anatomy of Movie. We're doing Snowmen, the Michael Fassbender movie. Stay tuned. We're going to discuss. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. And now, here's Popcorn Talk's Anatomy of a Movie. Welcome. That's right. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. We have Dimitri Panos. Hey, movie fans. Hey, Phil. Welcome oh, back. That's right. We took Good a week to see off. you again. We're back. Um, I'm Phil Svitek. Good to be here. We're doing The Snowman. Um, lots to discuss. Some good. Some not so good. And mostly not so good. Unfortunately, but as always, uh, a we appreciate you uh, tuning in. We uh, assume that you've seen the movie, so you know it is going to be very spoiler filled. If you're returning, welcome back. Um, don't be afraid to share with your friends. Let them know that we're out here. Subscribe so that way you get all the latest episodes. And as always, you can get our rundown in the description box. Um, it's a link to a PDF, so you can follow along. And as we always do, let's start with overall thoughts for this movie. Absolutely. Um, well, uh, again, hello everybody, and also, also, we should say, join in on the discussion. Um, misery sometimes really loves company, uh, and, in, and in this case, uh, I think the snowman uh, just was another example of it ain't easy to adapt a popular novel for for, for the big screen, and this movie to me. Um, Man, this movie was it was supposed to be this mystery, this Scandinavian noir kind of movie. And it, it Jesus, there was no focus on it. Uh, there was very little style. There was no cohesion. Uh, with, there was no suspense. And in the end, there was no mystery for me. Uh, this was a, a whodunit where I figured out whodunit the first quarter of the movie... And then I spent the rest of the three quarters of the movie figuring why they had to done it to me. I mean, I, I just sat there going, you are the worst detective on the planet. <laughs> so yes. I, and, and I felt really bad for a lot of the actors who are stuck in this because there wasn't anything that these, under, cir- under normal circumstances, they're very good, some of them Academy Award winning actors, but they couldn't they they couldn't elevate this product this project and it was credited they had three screenwriters on this project and it was almost as if uh, this is the way I felt it was if they took one they go okay you go into cabin A you write you write the beginning you go into cabin B you write the middle you go into cabin C you write the end you can't communicate with each other oh and here's the book and done and then they each come up with a pastiche of a beginning, a middle, and an end, and they said, sounds good, but we're not even going to film all of that. <laughs> it, it was just a mess of a movie, which is too bad. The way it was marketed from a trailer standpoint, which we'll talk about more, I was expecting, hoping for like a, a girl with a dragon tattoo kind of feel to it. Um, 
But man, oh man, Shevitz, boy, did th- th- this movie made me angry. And it was laughably bad. And we'll talk about Val Kilmer, who wasn't in any of the marketing. And, and, and now after watching the movie, I think it was done on purpose. And But this was laughably bad. It wasn't like Mother Bad, where I was tortured for two hours. But I was slack-jawed for most of it, going, what the hell is going on here? <laughs> yeah, it really is a shame. Um, there were elements... Th- this is the type of movie that I absolutely enjoy, but this this particular one was not... Um, it didn't live up to what I wanted it to. You know, from the marketing, I was sort of excited. I didn't know what to expect, and I wanted it to be good. I mean, you know, the biggest shame of it comes down to the fact, like, you know, yes, the story's a mess. They also didn't film, let's say, 20% of it. Sure. So that they only had to work with eighty percent of the actual script. So whatever. So it's 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 kind of a who messed up, right? That's what it becomes rather than a who done it. Um, <laughs> and you know, that's, it's a shame. It really is a shame because uh, I don't know. Uh, there's plenty of movies that we see, and you know, I have my complaints about, and I complain about them because there's elements that are good there, right? And if only certain things were tweaked a little bit, it could have lived up. To something far greater. Absolutely. Absolutely. And not only it could have lived up to. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. But on paper, you're looking at some of the most talented people, like not just in front of the camera, but behind the camera. You have Martin Scorsese as a producer who was one, he was attached to this a long time ago, a while ago. You have a good bunch of his crew working this film. Um, you know, from cinematographer uh, Dion Beebe to um, Thelma Schoonermaker, his his loved, beloved editor, um, and, 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 and as well as uh, Claire Simpson. You know, these are people who've won Academy Awards for working together with Martin Scorsese, and he's producing this. So there is a pedigree. There's a there's an amazing film pedigree here. And then when you look at Michael Fassbender. Uh, 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 J.K. Simmons, to talk about. Um, you just wonder what is like. How did this go so wrong? And how did how did Universal allow it to go so wrong? You even have a you had a solid director, you yeah, know. And granted, no, Tinker, t- Tinker Taylor, Taylor Soldier, Soldier Spy, Spy is good. Not not the fastest paced movie, but as far as a mystery go, like really well constructed and this movie was like the opposite of everything that that movie was it was the opposite of what girl with a dragon tattoo was i mean again i was just amazed as to what was how flat this movie was like when was the last time did you feel the same way like there was no there was no art it was just really from beginning to end it was just sort of kind of flat it was i mean um Absolutely, I, I I felt there there was definitely a lot of plot holes, and we'll talk about those. Um, overall, 
it just felt like this basically this, this is the seventh book in the series mm-hmm. and i feel like to be honest i don't know how much of the other books they've read or whether or not they just read this one and said let's say adapt it um i love the premise like you have a snowman sure <laughs> basically anywhere it's 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 uh when you talk you talk about it and uh the clown factor you know the snowman could have been iconic as as a fear right feared thing and it, it just never lived up to it it was unfortunate i felt the yeah i i i don't love the opening scene because it gave away so much it, it gave away a lot yet that whole flashback it it a lot of it didn't amount to a hell of a lot of anything like no, outside yeah. i mean if you're going to do that and then you're going to feature characters that we're following in, let's say, the present, like J.K. Simmons' character. There's got to be a payoff. And, like, I still ask, what the hell was he doing in this movie? Like, what did that character, how did that character move along the plot? He ends up being the smelliest red herring <laughs> or the stinkiest red herring. Well, I think that was just to mystery. get Oslo to, to sponsor the Olympics or... <laughs> I think that was a, that, that's what that was trying to accomplish, as far but as I, I could felt tell. that that character had so much more because they were setting up that he was involved in a in some affair that ruined Rebecca Ferguson's life, her character Katrine, Katrina, but it just went nowhere, like absolutely nowhere. And again, it's like you said, when you're only filming twenty percent, it was like it's like a jigsaw puzzle. Like a thousand piece jigsaw puzzle where about 52 of the pieces are missing. And we're trying to make sense of what, I, what, what I've put together on the table. And it's, it, it, it is sad um, because of the pedigree involved. You, you expect better from them. You hope that it's going to be good. The trailers made it look like a movie I wanted to see. Uh, it was just, but I can't recall uh, being so slack jawed and like, whoa. And we'll talk Val Kilmer. Later sure. Um, have you read it? You know, um, and I get that this is the character's name, but um, people are pointing at Harry Hole. Harry Hole. <laughs> I mean, and by the way, there's a lot of websites that are talking about how that's the least of its problems is having a character named Harry Hole. And listen, I get it. You know, it's it's interesting because in the research of this, now again, you you brought up something I, that I found interesting. This is the seventh book in the series. And I know that Joe Nesbo started, again, th- there was this whole surge, particularly after that Girl with the Dragon Tattoo series had come out, right? That there was this, you know, Swedish or, or Nordic noir kind of like, there was this kick. People were really, really liking it. And this is how Joe Nesbo came, came into play. Actually, for me, The Snowman was the first novel that I had ever heard about. Uh, here in the states, um, but what I the, the thing I learned too is that Harry Hole, <laughs> like he uh, is what Sherlock Holmes is in London, uh, and and he in in Norway has like there's a mini industry around that character. Which, well, it reminds know, me of you know I don't. You tell me otherwise, but it's no different than like the Clive Cussler books, where it's like sure. you can kind of you know you can uh, sort of mix and match, and there's not really a through line across all of them necessarily sure. too much. I was comparing it to I was going to go Jack Reacher mm-hmm. because they didn't start off 
with the first novel, um, you know, when they when they made that first movie. So that's fine. That's all well and good. Um, but, you know, it's it's just interesting that he is in Oslo. That character is held in, in very high regard that apparently from what I learned, they actually like in London, you can take Sherlock Holmes tours. Well, they actually have well, I'm going on the Harry Hole tour. <laughs> um yeah, not a so, tour. I will be participating uh, anytime soon. Yeah, it's it's cold. Um, so that to me is fascinating, and and I totally understand why you would acquire the novel to turn into, you know, to adapt. It makes sense to me, and I really think that in the movie business too. I think that we're we're sorely lacking in this kind of movie where it's an adult suspense thriller mystery. Those used to like be so good in the box office and people well, would go to them, but well, they have my, to be good. My issue with it is um, I, don't, I just don't understand why they didn't allow the time. It's not like this movie was timely. You know what I mean? It's one thing to be like, okay, we have to get out the next Avengers on this date. Like, mm-hmm. rush it. We got we to gotta meet that deadline. This, no, it didn't need a deadline of any sort. It yeah. just needed to be completed and good. Okay, so in my research, like, again, Scorsese was attached. To, at one point, he was even going to direct. Yeah. Okay. This was like a decade ago. This was a while ago. And at that point, too, it didn't appear that anybody was, like, in any major rush to make the movie. So people got busy. <laughs> and, well, I'm not going to do that movie now and then all of a sudden it was like a hurry up and wait kind of a kind of a feel and then all of a sudden it was like we need to get this now (laughs) it's like but you had so many years to work on this get it right and then all of a sudden it became a rush 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 like to get this out so it was almost as if like the rights were going to be up and they 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 had some whether it be an imaginary deadline or they had to fulfill something by a certain time to get this movie out so that they either didn't pay a penalty because obviously this movie felt very rushed, even though it's been in production for the better part of almost a decade. They they might have been better off paying the penalty. Right? You know, sometimes you you take that loss. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. It's, again, it's it's a who, who messed up type of mystery. Yeah. That's what it really becomes, unfortunately. Um, all right. Well, let's uh, let's break down the story. If, sure. Uh, let, let's start there. Okay. Um, you know, let's let's talk about like, let's talk about the opening scene because it sets up so many things and yet it doesn't. Um, yeah. Very haunting. And I thought, based off that opening scene, I kind of did wonder. I was like, okay, this is going to be good. What are we in for? I felt the same way. I was like, okay, because I hadn't read the book. So I don't, you know, again, as an adaptation goes, I'm not sure what was in the exact story or whatever. But you're right. The first 10 minutes of this movie, there was something going on. And you know that it's going to relate later on down the line. And, you know, being that this is a whodunit. And it was set up pretty hauntingly. I think you had the right thing, particularly the actress that played the mom. Mm -hmm. Like. That, to me, her vacant stare as her car is on the ice sinking down, that was very haunting, you know? And then having the kid watch this happen, 
You know, and then the whole thing with the cop and, like, what's going on here when he was testing the kid in the, in the house and he was getting the wrong answers or not coming up with the answers fast enough and he would just slap the woman. Um, again, it was disturbing. It was haunting. And I was like, okay, this is the kind of mystery we're going in for. Sort of like Girl with a Dragon Tattoo, which was disturbing at certain scenes and uncomfortable, but it had a good mystery behind it. And I felt we were on the right track. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, you know, from there, it's sort of, uh, you know, we, we delineated it, which was fine. Um, we we meet Harry Hole and things like that. And, uh, like, I would say for the first, really the first sort of act of it, wasn't too bad. It kind of set things up fairly well, and and that's because partly also we didn't really meet J.K. Simmons' character. Like once we started introducing all these subplots, right. that's when things start to fizzle out. And, Absolutely. And uh, but the more contained it actually was, I, I felt that's that was its strength. If there was one. Well, and a, and a, and to your point too, um, when we first meet Harry Hole as played by Mike, Michael Fassbender. I was like, okay, I, I buy it. I buy him. You know, he's a uh, he's a, he's a tortured soul. You know, he's obviously a uh, he has a uh, a different personality. Um, you know, and he's obviously an addict or he's he's an alcoholic at the very least. They're setting this up, and you know, I was again from that opening ten minutes to 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 this setup. I was like, I was into the movie. I was like. This is a good kind of a detective story. They they were setting things up right for a bit, um, and all his uh, his idiosyncrasies, whether it, you know his his family life is for shit, you know uh, he's he's just on a bender. But I learned things in my research that were never explored. Like I we never went beyond the caricature. Of the Harry Hole character. We never realized why he was so despondent. Why he had this personality. And, and why, like, I found out through research that apparently because he was drunk, because mm-hmm. he's an alcoholic, and maybe you saw this too, in earlier adventures, uh, he was in a car accident that actually killed his partner. I and, did not and, get that. Yeah, well, and and he was in a car accident. He was drunk driving. He was in an accident. I, it killed his partner, and the police force sort of kind of covered it up. They knew, they sort of kind of covered it up. So he's he's an alcoholic who's living with the guilt of. He knows that he was responsible for the death of this police officer, and he knew that it was drunkenness and his drunk driving that did that. That's a character building thing that had I known in the movie in one way, shape or form that, well, they did, they did set it it up a little bit. Um, what, where the, I forget what his name was, but he basically said to him at the beginning, I, you know, I can't keep covering up for you. Write the note that, you know, and I'll pass it. I'll backdate it, but you gotta, you gotta work. Yeah. You were, you were visiting your uncle, you know, I'll go with that or your uncle passed away. But the, just him saying, you know, we can't keep covering for you. I don't know, covering covering a death of of a of a fellow police officers is a pretty big deal to me. And had these are just the kind of things that 
seeing the character where he is now in this in this tale, that yeah. would have been nice a little bit. It, it could have been a line. Well, yeah, something. I mean, I, I think it's one of those things, especially it could have been revealed as it went throughout, and it definitely could have tied in. Um, you know, because otherwise, like, here's my interpretation of it. Um, he just had seen so many cases um, that he was the best now, sort of. He was, you know, like, when, when anyone's career after a certain point, they start to be like, okay, well, where is this going? Am I still the best? And especially, like, in his line of work, when he sees these sick, demented mm-hmm. serial killers... And that's what he's staring at every single day. Yeah, it messes with your soul. Understood. And so when you have no other deeper level to tie that in with, that's, you know, that that's a cliche interpretation. And uh, there was nothing in the movie to prove otherwise. Yeah, and, and uh, Thomas Alfredson, the director, he's so, in all of my research and everything that I've read about him and in interviews and everything he said, he so wanted to stay away from the cliche of the flawed policeman solving a crime. It didn't quite work, you know, and, 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 and he is a flawed policeman, but it would have been what made him so flawed. Like you can guess that that's, you know, he becomes disenfranchised from it all. It's he's become dead inside. It's the Rick Decker, you know, he's seeing this. You can understand the psychological effect that it could have on him and how it ruined his family life. Um, and he just ends up not being a nice man. Um, so the other, my other biggest problem too with with the character was he seemed like a smart guy. Like the movie had him asking all from from an audience perspective, he seemed to be asking all the smart questions. Yet this is a guy who did so little detecting. He was asking questions, but he never got answers, and he never detected anything. And he couldn't see clues, even if the clues were sitting right next to him. And I shouldn't be smarter than the character on screen. Like, there's mysteries that you've seen, I'm sure, that our audience has seen, that the movie is good, so good that we'll either figure things out like a minute or two before, which makes sense, because I think mysteries can be hard. To, 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 to translate or to even create on screen because those characters are bound by that world and that script. We as an audience, we have a sort of kind of a luxury in trying to piece things together and we can sort of maybe think ahead. It's almost like playing chess. So if I figure something out a minute or two before our detective or our main characters, I'm okay with it. Sometimes if a movie's very smart and done well, I'll figure it out at either the same time or, like, I'll just go, oh, my God. And if a movie's smart, they usually will hold something back, right, so that we don't know either. But this movie didn't have it. It didn't have it. No. And I don't know about you, but I I figured out who the bad guy was literally a quarter of the way through. And that shouldn't have – it shouldn't have been so obvious, um, to me, I did know where it was heading, um, but I was just slightly confused as to all the other subplots. Mm. So I, you know, as I was watching it, I wasn't, I was just more confused rather than like, wait, I know the, I, so I didn't like hold high regard to knowing that information. I was still trying to participate in the movie of like, 
Well, why this then? Yeah, a lot of it was, uh, it was like they just red herrings that were left out in the California heat wave of 110 degrees for a week. Because they, they all amounted to nothing and they all stunk. And then when the, that scene on the train, when, when he's going to Bergen. Good old Bergen. Good old Bergen. He's going to Bergen. He gets onto the uh, he, he he gets onto the train, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, on this very crowded platform, in this very this very his his car that he's in comes the the man who's dating his wife, who's a doctor, you know. And the clues have been the clues have been uh, I'm watching you. Mm-hmm. I'm giving you all the clues. And as soon as he came on the train, I'm like going, that is one hell of a coincidence that not only that he's at that train, that he's on the same train, but he found him in a, he found him in a, uh, uh, in the car that he was sitting at. And I'm like going, Jesus Christ, he's the bad guy. He's, he's the snowman serial killer. And that, so everything after that, I was like, well, there's no point in that. It's not him. It's not him. This is too much of a coincidence. There's just too many people. And if if our villain says, I'm watching you, and there's proof that he's being watched, how does he just find him out of that stack of people? I, I have no idea. The movie uh, was rough. <laughs> how, how, did you catch the awful dub? Yeah, we're going to get to the dubbed Val Kilmer thing, I'm sure. Yes. But I mean, did you figure it out then? And then everything just became superfluous and not necessary. I I, I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing, but um, he he looks so much like the kid that it was just that's what made it. Uh, I was okay, like, okay, that's well, how you pieced it together. They, that's what it was. It was so <laughs> right. simple in terms of look, right? Um, that it, yeah, it just literally stared you in the in the face because I was like, wait, oh. They they had this whole scene and with the kids, so it must tie in. Yeah, and that's what did it for me. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't I don't know if it would have worked better if Harry found him on the train and was like, "Hey, what are you doing here?" And he said the same thing that he did of like, "Oh, I'm going to the conference." Right. Rather than you know him actively fu- like because Harry is supposed to be the one who's active versus him. Right. Who's in theory supposed to be passive? Sure. Um. Yeah. Yeah. And. and what was that? What, literally, well, that was what, 40, 50 minutes into the movie? If it definitely was in, like, I felt like the first quarter, it was it was definitely maybe going into your second act, but it was definitely after, maybe after the 20 minute mark. It was, it was at the, it was fairly early on that and he then, walks then that was the, the train. Like, with the opening scene, they were so jumbled together. Yes. You gotta give, like, because for me, that's what did it. Right. And so if you maybe spaced it out a little bit further, I wouldn't have caught it so easily. Right. I don't know. But uh, and, Well, and then, of course, all right, so we have the first scene, right? And then we talk about the other patchwork. Because now we're going back to Burgeon. Now, then we have the scenes with J.K. Simmons and his character. And uh, he's had an affair and... This snowman killer seems to have been 10 years ago as well. And who is it? And then we're, then we're introduced to another completely different detective who seems to be, he, 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 he's similar. He parallels Harry Hole, um, uh, the, 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 um, the Val Kilmer uh, detective. And I'm wondering, 
oh, so this is an old case. So we're going to study the old case. Like what? But that amounted to really a whole hell of a lot of nothing. Like, were they setting it up that J.K. Simmons was the bad? But I already know who the bad guy is. And he, to your point, he didn't seem that old, where if it were 10 years ago, he probably would have been in his <laughs> 20s or something. Like, yeah, I mean, the, the only, like, and just as far as Val Kilmer was concerned, they just used him in such a, like, it, was, it wasn't like shock factor, but it was like, what, what are you doing? You know, he's climbing roofs. He's, he's just being nonchalant. And uh, you already have one detective that's, quote, right. uh, the loner or the rebel. Right. W- why do we need two? And because he, he almost upped the ante as far as Harry was concerned. It was, and, and for what purpose? It's not, like, cause it's, it's not like he was a genius at what he did. You know, there, there's certain people that, that uh, are very eccentric. But they're good at what they do. Right. Well, Gert Rafto, though, I think he was being set up to be the, you know, he was, in a sense, the Harry Hole of his time. You know, he's very eccentric. He had his drinking problems. Um, but here's the thing, too, with Val Kilmer. Number one, he wasn't in any of the marketing, right? So he wasn't in the trailers. He wasn't in a poster. And when the opening credits pop up and I saw his name, I was like, oh, I, I didn't know he was in this movie. And then when they, that character of Gert Rafto shows up, I still didn't know that Val Kilmer was in the movie. He was so unrecognizable to me. Like, yeah, bad. I mean, that me, hair was god awful. Everything was god awful. I, yeah. I, he was, I had to go to the person, uh, Next to me, and, and I saw this at a screaming, a screen, a screaming. Yeah, I was screaming at the end. Uh, I started a screening and went to the person like next to me. I was like, "That's Val Kilmer." I was like, "Oh," and then he opened his mouth, and then I was like, "Going," I still didn't know it was Val Kilmer. <laughs> and again, I think it's one of those situations where I actually felt. Number one, I had no idea what the hell was going on with that character. Like, I had no idea what the hell was going on. And then with the bad dubbing, the dubbing, which was a, like 60s Godzilla, like B, like B science fiction dubbing. In today's technology, it should have been, it should have been a little bit more seamless to me. But I was like, why the hell are they? Because I knew nothing. I didn't even know he was in the movie. It was only after I had to look it up. I after I found out what it was, I just felt so bad for Val Kilmer because, as you probably found out, he had had throat surgery, he had throat cancer, and they had filmed not too long after his surgery. His tongue had swollen, and he couldn't he couldn't enunciate properly. And I figure at this point, from a production standpoint, you've you've done productions, Phil. Like, you have one of two options. You either wait for him, you film everything else, and you wait for him to properly heal so that he can give his performance, or you hire another actor and said, we can't use you. But the option they choose was so... Or dumb down his dialogue. Well, which they tried to do, because he didn't talk all that much. They tried to film him from behind. But even the shit that he said, like, he didn't need to talk at all. I don't even remember what the half the crap he said. It was useless jib- jibber jabber. Like I, the, the, I did like, where are you going? He just gives him the finger. Right. Ali, like 
just to have him do that. You know, it just whatever decision and they chose from a technology standpoint. I mean, we're grafting digitally people's heads on other people's bodies and stuff. Not to great effect, but far better than this dub job that they did. And after I learned all of this, I felt what what a horrible disrespect to Val Kilmer. It's a it's a very big disservice to him because no good can come of it. And it's not because of his performance. He, he was handicapped. Like and you allowed that you allowed him to do this and you you they made him look bad. Yeah. And I felt real after reading everything, I felt bad because no good could come. Like it was the dub job was so it was laughably horrible. It took me out of the movie. Oh, it took it. It's, it's a big point of contention. It took everyone out of the movie, and, and especially, I mean, for in a movie like this, given what it was, it might have been a breath of fresh air because it's at least to give you something else to focus on, besides the, you know, the right. hot spots that was left on screen. Yeah, I agree. Unfortunately, and and Howl's Hollywood reviews it like agrees with us. <laughs> but you really felt I felt bad for him afterwards. Because I really think that they did him as an actor a disservice. I'm not saying that Val Kilmer has been in some of the, you know, recently some great movies, but you know, right now I'll go back as like Kiss, Kiss, Bang, Bang. He was he was amazing in that movie, and I felt that it was a good maybe comeback for him. But this movie, I know that he wanted to work with the director, and again on paper this looked like a really great project to be a part of. Um, but man, they 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 just did him wrong, and it's too bad. It's it was sad. It was laughing because you're laughing, and then you find out why, and it's like you should have given him, you should have done something other than what you did. Let him heal, film everything else, and then make it right. Because that character could have been interesting, but again, the way that it was filmed, I still wonder what the hell is that character doing in the movie to begin with. <laughs> So. Uh, well, speaking of things that aren't in the movie, um, for whatever reason, I, I'd be curious to get your take on this. But um, they took great care in removing all Norwegian language from the movie, whether it was newspapers, whether it was signs, anything of that nature. So that way it was changed to English. Which I, I just didn't understand why. Well, when you look at the... Okay, we've talked a lot... Well, we've talked a lot about this... Um, casting amongst people who are like like um, Ghost in the Shell, mm-hmm. uh, the, the Great Wall. Is that what it is? The Great Wall. Yeah. yeah. Remember, there was all this controversy about how do they cast Matt Damon? How do they cast Scarlett Johansson? Nobody said anything about this movie. <laughs> and outside of uh, outside of Ferguson, there, there was like nothing in there that made this movie. Looks so special and spectacular. And again, I my closest comparison is Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Either the television versions that, that were made or the David Fincher version. At least they had some 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 Sweden, some Nordic people in that movie, and I felt as if I were somewhere else. Um it this was almost like they just filmed a, a set, but they filmed on location. They filmed in Oslo. Um, 
which was surprising to me. But it would have been nice to have more Oslo flavor to this. I would have liked to have felt because sometimes I'm I'm not a traveling person, but if I see these movies, it's almost like a travel log. I can almost get a sense of what this is like, so to speak. But you know, when everything's in English, I just feel on purpose. You know, I I get it. The card could have been in English or something. That's fine. Um, I I just don't understand the meticulous nature of it because it did take me. You know, they don't outright say that they're in Norway. until later on true and uh so i didn't really have much context going into it so i was like okay is this uh, sweden no uh, maybe denmark it could have been canada <laughs> could have been. Right? i mean it felt like it could have been canada um but then i read right, they, they did film a, a ton uh over there yeah no um, they, they uh pretty much the whole movie yeah um well i shouldn't say whole movie because 20 percent of it's missing <laughs> um yeah i mean it, to be honest, this is actually the hardest movie to dissect because, uh, you know, when you talk about, like, Atomic Blonde and it had its mysteries and it was kind of right. like a whodunit, at least it was done purposeful and we could sort of talk about it. Yeah. This, I just feel, because there's so many dead ends, every right. time I try to go down a certain path, it's like, all right, well, that, I don't, it's, I don't know. It's and the it's, hardest movie for me to actually talk it, about. It was, it, well, I always find that sometimes um, when you don't like a movie, those... Because you can trash and trash and trash a movie. Um, sometimes I find that they're the hardest to dis- to discuss because there has to be a good reasoning behind it. And for, for a movie like The Snowman, you can only compare it to other kinds of mysteries. And I was thinking, it made me think about mysteries a lot. And I was trying to think, how many mysteries are there that aren't based off of something else? Um where it truly is like a mystery. One movie that came up was like Basic Instinct. Mm-hmm. That's that's a mystery that wasn't based off of a novel or, or a graphic novel. There was one other one that I was thinking of that that that's like a true mystery. But we have Murder on the Orient Express, coming out which is coming out in a few weeks, Fingers which I crossed. can't wait for. And I've seen the um, the seventies. It's it's that that's such a lavish, beautiful movie. It's all about how it's done. Like, even a movie like The Maltese Falcon, even some of the great, great mysteries. Chinatown, I don't think, was a book. That's the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Chinatown. What an amazing cinematic mystery that movie is. Uh, When you even look at things like The Big Sleep, right? Raymond Chandler, who contributed to the screenplay, (laughs) talk, he didn't even know what the hell was going on when he was writing it. Like, because that movie, when you talk about dead ends and not making sense, but the movie is so classy and beautiful to look at. It's a great classic mystery. And I just think that it's lacking at our time because we, as as an adult, it's great to have these kind of adult movies. I was a big fan of Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, the, the, the David Fincher version. And I know it didn't set any box office records. Um, but... Uh, I was hoping for this in The Snowman, but it must just really be hard. And if the studio isn't going to give you the backing or if they're rushing you and you have to chop out 20% of the screenplay that you already have, and this movie still clocks in at two hours. <laughs> Could you imagine it had they filmed the entire like screenplay? Well, what are we talking? Two and a half, two, three-hour movie? I mean, maybe, I mean, at that point, you know, as you start to see it, then you... you you are able to more f- 
figure out, okay, what don't we actually need, mm-hmm. right? And some of the scenes that were left in that there's probably a lot of scenes that could have been taken out, but due to just them wanting that runtime, you know, you're not going to make a – like it, it, it would have felt weird to have an hour and a half. Sure. That's, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, you know, I think they just went with what they had, and I'm like, okay, let's we'll play this out to the, the full extent that we can. Sure. Yeah, and, and yeah, they, they, they did that. Um, I mean, from a scene-by-scene scene perspective, like, it, you know, uh, it, the, it, it does work. Like, um, I remember um, when I, at first he's following the woman, you know, because she's got the child at, right. right at the beginning. Like, that's a beautifully shot sequence. It's, mm-hmm. it's well acted. It's suspenseful. So, like, as a standalone bit, mm-hmm. it works. Um, it, it just doesn't work for the greater whole. Right. That's the problem. And, well, what about Chloe's <laughs> Vringy? Mm-hmm. Like, again, like, what? Huh? Wait, like she <laughs> she gets killed and then oh I'm her twin sister. <laughs> okay, this is like, what? What do we hear? What? Okay, she was pregnant and like it didn't. These things don't match up with what our serial killer is. And it was like, from what I understand too in the book, it was like every first snow this would happen. You know, it snows a lot in Norway, so it just seemed that there was... He wasn't waiting for first snow. He was just waiting for it to snow. Um, And I I just... You just don't... It was hard to figure out what's exactly going on. And those are the biggest problems. Yeah, we haven't talked about, like, the motive of the killer. So uh, how would you summarize his motives? Because it was... Unlike just a standard serial killer, it, it almost seemed like a like a on the scale of film noir, like a Bond villain. Because there was, I don't know, maybe, maybe it was because there was like all this abortion talk brought into it. Like it's, there just seems so much. But a Bond villain, at least, as outlandish as a certain Bond villains can be, at least there's a method to the matter. There's a purpose. Over here, the only purpose that I could figure out is okay. Let's go back to that the opening scene of the movie. Well, that's what I'm saying because was I was that confused. cop the father or yes. was he a father figure? No, he was a father. He he was the kid's father. Father, yet that cop was married to somebody else. So yeah. he he had this affair, which brought up this bastard child. Um, he was he, the cop. They were out in the sticks, not to be seen or heard from anybody, because heaven forbid the skin will get out, I guess. And being that he... Did you get that the kid knew that this cop was his father? Yeah, because he Or was he a father figure? Like, that's what I couldn't figure out. No, he figured it out then, because, I mean, between the sex scene and uh, her yelling, like, he figured it out. And he was actually uh, his son. Yeah, to be like... For any like avoidance of doubt, maybe he didn't figure out right away, but I'm sure by the time he hit like 15, 16, 17, he was like, "Oh, okay, I know what happened." Because he seemed to be targeting women who who weren't going out. They were single parents, mm-hmm. number one, and they they were. Either a floozy, like Chloe's Vingy's character, I, I, I gather, didn't even know exactly who the father was. She was just, you know, 
she was sleeping with whatever. She got pregnant, and she was going to have this child. The woman at the beginning had the who had the daughter. Um, didn't have a good relationship with the father, so it was almost like he was picking these women who weren't encouraging relationships. Of this is they were single parents, women, single parents who weren't encouraging relationships with the father. This is the best that I could come up with. Which doesn't make sense because it wasn't necessarily the mom's fault. No. Um, and as to why she like chose to kill herself, I'm baffled by that choice too. Well, yeah, I couldn't figure out. Yeah, I couldn't figure that out either as to what was going on. You, you're talking about the the mother at the beginning while yeah. she while she drowned herself, and then apparently the cop was in the car saw it happen too. Yeah, that, that's a flashback we get later on, and uh, so yeah. just the fact that so here's the thing: I, I, I'm just torn because it, it's not like it, like yes, the mom didn't really do him much help, but neither did the dad, and so if you're gonna pick, I'd be more it, pissed it, at the dad for leaving or yeah. being the cause of you caused my mom to kill herself. Like, why isn't he killing men? <laughs> And that's why, like, it would have made... Because then Harry is kind of not in his kid's life. Right. So then that would have sort of played into it a little bit better. I don't, you know... But in the end, he was targeting Harry, obviously, for that reason, too. Like, because he he wasn't taking care of his son. And he was targeting that mother who, you know, he was targeting the... That woman, because she was Harry's wife and kid, but Harry's not a good father, and oh, who knows? It just seems convoluted. <laughs> it was, it was. Hell. yeah, it was. If you're gonna target Harry, then just target Harry. Don't target the women first, just to get to Harry. You've proven you can get to Harry pretty quickly. Yeah, absolutely. And 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 he 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 studied Harry, like he knew, like he. Found him sleeping on a bench. You know, I mean, his clues should have been, like, uh, again, his clues were enough that he had to, uh, to you know, he had to figure things out. Uh, you know, I, I just, uh, it was very, it was, I don't know, it was, it was tough. It was, uh, and again, it's just one of those things when it, when it all came through in the wash, I was like, whatever, okay. It doesn't make sense to me, but okay. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I I had somebody as soon as the movie ended. There were a couple of people who were walking. They're like, "Do you understand what happened?" I was like, trying to explain that, but I I didn't want to be a. I didn't want to see dumb, so mm-hmm. I tried to give an answer. B. I didn't want to seem uh, like the answer I had was dumb. Yeah, and then they had, so then they set up that his ex-wife uh, Raquel. Um, played great. I mean, Charlotte Gainsborough was was really good in the role, but she's with this guy. But you can tell she still loves Harry. And then there comes a point in the movie that it just almost comes out of nowhere, where where she seduces him in his hole of an apartment or whatever it was. Like, and I'm like and then I was really like, what the hell is going on here? Like, and it was like. This sexless sex scene that led to again it led to nothing. It, none of the actions that took place in this movie really led to anything. 
other than it took up screen time. Well, and that's it, it could have worked. Maybe like it, it could have signaled that there's a problem with her actual relationship with sure. stepfather, um, and but it's yeah, it, it just unfortunately falls flat. Yeah, and they weren't married. Uh, the 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 uh, the killer, like it wasn't like they were really married at all, and it just I, it it was again it was just such a a, a pish posh, like. Stitching together with with like you know a jigsaw, <laughs> trying to put things together. It was very very difficult. And even again, going to the J.K. Simmons character, they put all these people in there, and then J.K. like in J.K. Simmons taking photos of people, you know the women particularly. That too, it's like oh this is going to lead to something, but it didn't. He was just a perv. And in light of what's going on, not, not that universal, not, not that anybody knew what's going on, but that those scenes were sort of uncomfortable in light of current events, yeah. like what he was doing, but it led to nothing. He neither was reprimanded for his actions or anything at all. And, and, and a be- sick twist, here's the thing, like, you know, movies like this, um, I'm not condoning this by any means, but um, movies like this, like there is a side to it that is haunting because they do try to tell like the darker side of the truth. And sometimes, you know, through the voice of the movie, the truth can be like guys like this do get away. But that never really became a point. It just was kind of dropped as yeah. opposed to like, you know, because to complete that thought and that idea, you kind of have to have him actually get away with it rather than just leave the storyline where it left off. But then you're trying to figure out, too, what he's doing with the whole Rebecca Ferguson character. Like, this guy cheated. This goes back to the Val Kilmer cop thing because Val Kilmer was looking into the shenanigans going on between Rebecca Ferguson's mom, who had the affair with J.K. Simmons, but... He was about to be found out, so was J.K. Simmons, the original snowman killer. And that Val Kilmer's character found out who it was, and then he gets his head blown off. And, like, I, it just led to nothing. Like, we, we didn't find anything out about that and how it related to the story here. And was our guy, our current guy, a copycat? Like, no. Here's the, I, I'd be curious to know um, the actual writing process because... You know, you know how it, it, it's the cliche thing. Whether cops or detectives, they mm-hmm. have like the little headshots and they have the the strings to connect. I felt like for this movie, it could have actually benefited for the writers to have created something like that. Not only like or a chalkboard or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you actually know how yeah. things are connected because right now the pathways, I, I don't. It's just they're just too convoluted and, uh, and and confusing. You know, and Rebecca Fer- Ferguson too, who who you know, she's a good actress. She's I really good. like her. She's attractive. She's got she's got good chops. She's a talented woman. She's a and it's she's a nice breath of fresh air in the right you know in the right role. And in this movie, number one, I didn't find that there was any char- chemistry at all between Harry and Katrine uh, at all. Um, and I just felt that she was 
obviously she looked up to Harry Hole, right? She looked up to him as a detective. She wanted to sort of follow in his footsteps, but she had her own agenda. And that agenda was never extremely very, was made very, very clear. Like it wasn't so much as like this snowman thing. She had this thing against J.K. Simmons character. And she wanted to like, she wanted to approach him. She wanted to confront him, but we don't exactly outside of maybe she figured out that, that, that he's the one that had an affair on her mom. It, it just, it never came, nothing ever, none of these threads that were laid in this mystery were ever explained, and so you just end up not really caring, and it just left the actors and actresses, like like Rebecca Ferguson, floundering. Like, there would it would have been nice, again, had there been some semblance of tension, whether it be like a sexual, like an attraction between these two characters Mm -hmm. that would make it like Harry and his wife. It makes that triangle give something to there. But I just didn't, I didn't see it at all. Did you, I mean, did I miss it? I mean, I don't know. And it's not like that character wasn't an attractive character where that could work. And you could see how her, how she and Harry could connect because of their intellect and they each have their little quirks. Yeah. But I don't know. It was an uncomfortable. Right, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to move us along only because sure. the more I talk about it, the more I get disappointed and frustrated. So, um, let's talk about the promotion for this movie. Oh, okay. Well, I, I wanted to maybe to, well, we can, we'll go into promotion, but I, I wanted to talk too, though. I mean, the snow. I mean, the, the filming on this began more or less in 2014, mm-hmm. when they were when they were uh, in Norway and they had to explore like a lot of Norway. But it was always important for Alfredson to shoot in Oslo, and I get that. Um, I get how they wanted the, the the museums, the architecture, and trying to get that palette down. I wish they had kept it Oslo and not make it look like any like an American kind of city. But I get, I appreciate that when they, they came to the city hall and they had these carvings in the buildings and that's what they tried to go for, you know, in this movie. And the production designer, Maria Jer- or Jerkovic, the snow landscapes were devoid of any color. That was another thing, too. It was very devoid. It was almost monochromatic. Which I, I liked the look. I did. But it had this palette like throughout the entire movie, which, again, with the tone of the movie, nothing changed. And, again, I, and I, I, I keep on going back to when I look at Girl with a Dragon Tattoo, like Fincher would put, like, a blueness to it. Like, it looked foreign it looked cold um so when daniel craig is freezing in his little cabin you know you got that sense because there was a sense of style but the way they shot this it didn't really leave them that much style to it there's no primary colors and i get it i get if you want to be like this but it was that way the whole entire movie and I just, I didn't feel like I was visiting. I, I didn't feel like I wanted to be at a place that I would visit, that I would want to 
visit, oh. as rich in its history that it could potentially be, you know. So. Um, I didn't mind. I actually appreciate the look, and I, um, I, out of all things that may, maybe it's just there were so many other problems that that was the least of it. But I, I don't know. For me, that was a takeaway that I actually enjoyed. Yeah, and you know that the police headquarters was purposely done. To, it was pur- purposely designed so that it could be like the polar opposite of Harry, because if you got it, it almost felt like police via Google office, mm-hmm. <laughs> like it was all open, uh, all open space. Um, and, you know, you have a man like Harry who like he he wanted his privacy. He's he did whatever he could. And then to hear that uh, Katrine gets his office um, but I thought that that was interesting. Um, you know, it was a little bit different of 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 of, of Harry's personality. Um, the other thing too was um, snow. Snow, 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 snow. They they so wanted to not use fake snow that they actually hired a a snow supervisor. That that's a job title. If you like snow and you know your snow, uh, Johan Harsnek, and it was his task to ensure that Alfredson had real snow wherever they filmed, whether it was in a studio or outside. And so the film shot in Norway during most of winter. um, But as we know, with seasons, winter bears itself to, to spring. So they had to move. Actually, they moved into studio work. Um, and so catch this, they had rented a refrigerated warehouse, okay, and this allowed them to shoot the studio scenes and enable Alfredson to work with real snow, and this is how far they went. They actually brought in real snow, froze the studio down to minus five to keep the snow intact and the breath visible. Mm-hmm. But what happens, you're from New England, what happens when you pack snow and you freeze it? It, it, it becomes packed. <laughs> so they actually had to have people like aerate the snow using tractors and forks mm-hmm. <laughs> to like make it puffy. But uh, I found that to be very fascinating that they were so. I mean, I figure with today's effects, they didn't go digital, they actually went for the real thing. I mean, so. yeah. And I, I appreciate that, um, and I but how, I'll say it this way: I appreciate that when, more when the movie is better. Sure, you know, because then because right now it just seems like okay, we did that in sacrifice of something else. Well, you know, and 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 I get that. I'm again, I am doing my best to try to make it positive it. and to show you know, listen. The one thing we always talk about, too, is the creative process. And even if we dislike a movie, we always try to focus on something where somebody worked hard. Like, again, I I always say this. Nobody sets out to make a bad movie on purpose. They just happen. As as, As proven, this movie had a lot of great talent front behind the camera. Some of these people's work is going to get marred in this because it's a bad movie. So, you know, I, I am trying to be positive. No, I, um, I agree with you. I'm just, yeah. Uh, yeah I'm, uh, but you're right. Had this been a really good movie, you would have said, oh, my God. Part of what made this is a good movie is that, wow, oh, this is real snow. Yeah. Um, but uh, here's a, bit, a little bit of trivia, that The Snowman became the first international feature shot in Norway to receive funding from the New State Incentive Programs 
designed to attract foreign film and television productions. Um, the Snowman to this day is still the biggest film to date to have been shot in Norway. And then it was uh, it was a 12-week shoot. So, and they did. They, they filmed all over Oslo. Um, the other thing, the, the, the cabin, the... Um, that 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 Rafto's cabin on the windswept like his like apparently that was it's a legitimate cabin like that wasn't a set or a prop um it belonged to an elderly woman and it was spotted by Alfredson during a location scout and it looked the like the it looked like the art department to his quote is he said it looked like the art department put it there for me to find mm-hmm. <laughs> and um but it was incredibly, uh, outside of it being incredibly cinematic, it was incredibly difficult, and it was so remote that uh, they had a hard time. Uh, it, it wasn't accessible by car. They could only go via helicopter. And then via helicopter, it was still hard to find a place to land. And then finding ways to have all the equipment because yeah, you got a helicopter there. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> you get a helicopter it in. So, you know, and that did look remote. I'll give them that. <laughs> you know? I mean, uh, apart from them Americanizing the locations, like, I actually did like the locations. I just didn't know that it was Norway necessarily, but it did look good. <laughs> yeah, it so, did. Uh, Absolutely. So I will applaud for that. Yeah. Certainly. So I wanted to, yeah, just, just I wanted to talk about and give some of the props to the location and to, and to Norway and. Yeah. And I, I do hope, uh, like, I would like a movie in Norway, whether it be a, uh, a noir or something else. I don't, like, let's see it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd be interested. I'm all for that. Yeah. Um, uh, as far as, uh, you know, um, this kind of ties promotion and editing, but uh, many of the scenes from the trailer, whether it be the explosion, the bear trap, and a couple of letters, were not shown in the final cut. No. As to why, I'm not entirely positive you know it's uh i'm glad you brought up trailer because there was an article uh written it's in today's boston globe it's written by their their film guy ty burr and he basically his his stances trailers are lies and i don't want to see them i'll never watch trailers again they're 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 lies they're all all trailers are lies I felt that his I felt that his stance is a little bit harsh. I don't think that they're all lies. I think that that there are trailers that cheat. This movie, Mother, is a great example of the cheat. Mm-hmm. Um, why we didn't see scenes as portrayed in the trailer, and I, that I have no idea why. I mean, because the trailer did make this movie look good. I don't say that this trailer was a lie. Because it did say that the movie's a mystery. No. I mean, so I knew that. So I, I knew going in, I was going to hopefully see a suspense mystery. And the movie is a mystery. But why they use these alternate takes, it's almost as if they had filmed other stuff and they just cut it out, too. Well, we're going to shoot the trailer version? No. Yeah, I, I mean, what they showcased in this trailer... Tell me if you agree with me on this. Seemed far more interesting than what ended up on the big screen. Oh, this was a movie. <laughs> I knew it was a smaller movie, um, and I kept looking out for when it was going to come out because I was excited to see it. Me and, too. Um, I really did want to see it. 
And then, uh, you know, even you, we were debating on which movie to see, and you're like, well, it's it's a toss-up of which crappy movie you want to see. And I was like, no, but it's The Snowman. We're going to see The Snowman. It's yeah, be a good movie. between this or Medea, I think. <laughs> and so. one other one um, is uh, Geostorm. Oh, Geostorm. Got to give Geostorm yeah. credit, G- G- too. Yeah. yeah. Um, I might have had more fun in Geostorm, because at least that you really know what you're getting into. <laughs> I guess, but it's, especially now, it just hits yeah. too close. In to hindsight, home. yeah. And but this movie, okay. Let me ask you this: Would you say for the were you sold a bill of goods that just didn't deliver? Like, I don't think the trailer was a lie. Yeah, I don't think it was a lie. It, it you know, I mean, it's tough. It's it, there's plenty of other trailers that I see that I'm like equally excited, and the movie just doesn't live up to it. Right. Um, so it's not that I would look at the trailer as a lie of anything it's just the movie just wasn't good you're right as simple as that and 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 i tweeted out i tweeted out that article so if you support me on twitter at dmovies1701 you'll find that article that i'm referring to but i also said that i don't agree that all trailers are lies there are you know a trailer is a marketing tool okay it's meant to garner interest and excitement in a trailer now Look, when you have a movie like a Star Wars movie, what else are you going to garner? Like, you'd really have to have crap material to work with. But really, all you have to do is just have Star Wars The Last Jedi. And people are going to applaud that. But when you look at movies like It, right, that trailer did that movie an amazing service. And I think that the trailer and the marketing helped that movie become the hit that it is, even movies like Get Out had a really good trailer. It happened to be a really good movie, but the trailer was not a lie. A trailer shouldn't tell you everything that's happening in the movie, but it should excite you enough. Um, Wonder Woman's another good example where it really, that trailer did, in a way, set itself apart from other DC movies. The Dunkirk trailer. Like, where was the lie in the Dunkirk trailer? Because that was a fantastic trailer, too, right? So, yes, I I do admit that trailers like The Snowman, not really a cheat. They just they were just showing different scenes that seemed far more interesting. A movie like Mother, that trailer's a lie. I mean, that, that trailer is a cheat because that does sell a bill of goods and tells you this movie's going to be this when it ends up being that. And being, I worked with trailers for most of my career, whether it be for Universal Pictures or Lionsgate, I've seen cheated trailers before. I mean, when you don't, when a studio doesn't know what to do with a movie, because it's not that good, you cheat the trailer to at least try to spark some semblance of interest, right? But then you have trailers like, uh, I don't know how you feel about Justice League trailer, but... I don't think that movie. I don't think those trailers are lying. I think the movies. It makes the movie look god awful. Um, you you have to if you go to the movies a lot. You can sort of kind of see when they're when a trailer's trying to hide something. But Thor Ragnarok, great use of music, shows you who's in it. Doesn't give you away the entire movie or plot. Doesn't give away twists. It's a good trailer, and I don't think it's a lie. Um, and like I said, it, Conjuring, uh, uh, Conjuring or Annabelle Creation, that was a really good trailer too, you know. And it didn't lie. I mean, you go you see like, the movie. You got a horror movie. You you got With a really doll. good horror movie, and the trailer like 
there have been times where a trailer is better than a movie. We, we talk about comedies all the time. But we can sort of sniff out when they put all the funny stuff in a comedic trailer. Sometimes, but even that, that's, that's where, with comedies in particular, the hardest ones, because there's times where uh, there's been plenty of comedies that we've seen that trailer-wise, it's like, yeah, it's not that good, but the movie ends up being good. And then, you know, other times, like, the trailer looks so amazing, but the movie doesn't necessarily All the look- funny stuff is in the trailer. So, you know, again, a trailer is a marketing tool. Um, and I don't think that they all lie. I don't take that stance. I will always watch trailers. Trailers have been good to me. So I'll always watch them. Um, it's just after working with trailers and, and, and trying to get them up and jockey for position on screen, you can sort of kind of see, you can sort of sniff out what where the lie is or what they're trying to hide. Um, but I think for the most part, a good trailer should get you interest. And sometimes in a movie that you might not have had any interest to see to begin with, you know, like gifted gifted was a good trailer. Right. And that's small little movie, but something you see that trailer and you go, Oh, it's a good trailer. It didn't lie. Go. One of my favorite movies of the year. So, not this year, but yes, of that year. Yeah, of that year. 2015, um, I believe. But uh, no, uh, Gifted was in 2015 with Chris Evans. Oh, Gifted. Uh, yeah, oh, yeah, Gifted. I wasn't, oh, oh, you were sorry. thinking of The Gift with Joel. I'm sorry. I apologize. Too if many I, movies with the I term guess, Gifted. I'm sorry. Um, yes, Gifted was good. Yeah. The Gift is also good. Yeah, it's really good, too. Um, why marketing? I felt they cut a good trailer. I did feel sort of kind of cheated that scenes in the trailer weren't in this movie because they seemed to be more interesting when I walked out. But the outdoor campaign for this movie, though, sucked. Sucked. I talked about this on Meet the Movie Press. The biggest problem, you've probably seen them, too. The big billboards of the bus, Mm -hmm. the bus shelter ads. Mr. Police Officer, I've given you all the clues, blah, blah, blah. You know, she... Don't give me a billboard ad that I have to read while I'm driving. Like, texting is a big enough problem in this city <laughs> that I don't need. To, just you have Mike. You have a talented, half decent looking cast. Like graphic, do a snowman with. I don't know, but don't make me read a billboard as I'm trying to drive down Burbank Boulevard or 405 or any freeway. For that matter, I thought the outdoor campaign was horrible, horrible. And if only Harry Hole had read the marketing, maybe he would have figured out the mystery when I figured it out. But I thought the outdoor campaign for this movie was just atrocious. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't like it. I didn't put two and two. It, it almost because it looked like the paper, and it lo- without looking at it too deeply, it looked almost like a kid movie. Yeah, and you can't look at it too deeply because you're driving down. <laughs> either a freeway or a road, who's going to take the time to read that? Unless you're stuck in traffic, which maybe they're hoping for. But it took me at least three passes before I figured out it was a movie ad. And then I read it, and I'm like going, that's just bad. It's just bad outdoor marketing for that. Especially when you have Michael Fassbender, Rebecca Ferguson, J.K. Simmons. Recognizable people. Maybe it was in their contract. That they couldn't use their likeness. I don't know. I, 
I, I, yeah, we could only speculate. I mean, uh, so as far as results go, they were estimating as early as about 10 million um, initially, but then based off of Thursday, um, they lowered it down to 4 million, and lo and behold, it didn't even quite make that. Came in eighth with 3.2 billion. Yeah, million, million. No, no B. There's going to be no B in front of this movie. Uh, yeah, you know, production budget around 35 million. Universal probably kicked in another 30, 40. So we're talking all in, probably around 70. I'm guesstimating 70 to 75 million all in. You know, it's just not good when your movie comes in at number eight. Now, here's another only 1,800 locations. That is, in today's world, by no stretch, a real wide release. I mean, it's wide, but when you're comparing it to movies, you know, like what, 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 uh, say, Justice League will go out. Um, you know, we're, we're talking 2,000 locations, three, 4,000 locations. This is a smaller release. Um, what I did find very interesting is, is that as of the 26th, uh, 4.5 million all in thus far. But foreign territories amounts for almost 81% of the worldwide gross. 19 million thus far. 19 million in foreign territories. So it has a worldwide gross at 23.9. Let's just call it 24. But is it going to recoup even with foreign money? No. I, I doubt it. No. And when you're looking at, when you're also looking at a movie that just, uh, number one, <laughs> It gets a really miserable uh, Rotten Tomato score of eight percent. Yeah, it's not the, the cinema score is not as bad as Mother, but it's pretty low. It's only a D. Yeah, that's it's not an F, but yeah. a D doesn't stand for dandy or Dimitri in this case. It just stands for it stinks. An eight percent, it's a D. Um, you know, it's a precipitous drop in its second week, and people don't even know that it's out at this point. You know, when you have, you know, you have uh, Jigsaw coming out, you know, Medea is Medea, and always does what Medea is going to do. But then you have other movies. You have Thor opening up next, next week. week. Uh, you have the, Bad you have Mom's Christmas, so that's going to Next hold. week. Yeah. Now, see, that's a funny trailer. And I'm going to go on basis of the first movie, which to me was a pleasant surprise in comedy, I'm going to go to Bad Mom's Christmas could be funny. Um, Thor, now we're coming into the holiday season. Movie was a dump. I mean, they really... When you talk about promotion, too, I didn't see Michael Fassbender anywhere. And from what I understand, he opted, he got married. And yeah, he's like, yeah, getting married, guys. Good luck. I didn't see Rebecca Ferguson anywhere. I didn't see, yeah, I didn't see anybody, really. Yeah, just. On talk shows. So it was almost like Universal knew what they had. And sadly, if they knew what they had, they could have given it good TLC. And they could have released this movie in, say, a February or something. And they could have had a good thriller on their hands. Not a movie that gets 8% on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, Suburbicon also comes out this weekend. Right. So I'm actually looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to, you know, I, I'm, 
this is the first Saw movie that I haven't worked on. Like, I, like, wasn't a part of, in a sense. So the trailer for that movie looks surprisingly good. Um, So I want to see that, and I do want to see Suburbicon. But an 8% Rotten Tomatoes Cinema Score D. You mentioned Mother. The Rotten Tomatoes score for Mother was much higher than 8%. It was in the 80s. Something it's, it was much higher. Yeah, well that, that was insane. Disparity. That was yeah. that was such an insane movie on on so many levels. Um all right. Well, uh they've left it open for a sequel. I doubt they're gonna have one. No. Um, so No, and, and it's interesting too because they are again going back to Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, they're not continuing that that story arc. They're they're not continuing that trilogy, but they are going with the non Stieg Larsson book that came out a few years ago, which right now the name of it escapes me. So they're not doing the remaining two in the Stieg Larsson trilogy, the Millennium series, as they call it, but they are doing the fourth one that wasn't mm-hmm. written by Stieg Larsson. And I think they're going with a whole new cast. Yeah. Uh, to try to, in a sense, I guess, reboot that franchise again. All I can say is those people will look at the snowman and try to do the exact opposite. There you go. <laughs> That's all I can say. All right. Well, that about does it for us um, here for this movie. Um, next week we will be doing Suburbicon. I'm looking forward to that. One of the things we're going to, you know, we used to do two anatomies a week. We're going to do something, uh, or at least we're going we're gonna to start to do it. We're going to try to do it um, where we do kind of quick reviews. So we're not going to do an in-depth thing, but um, we'll try to do Jigsaw. Um, I'm curious, uh, for those of you at home, uh, thank you for your service. Um, I'm very curious about that movie, and I love your opinion on it. I trust your opinion, so... Um, it's a movie I'm interested in seeing, but dude, time-wise, I'd rather prefer from you guys if it's worth seeing. The uh, you know the reviews on that one are not horrible either. They're, they're, they're mid-range. I think uh, last check, if I'm wrong, they were around 77 percent. I'll double check. But um, listen, Miles Teller is a very talented actor. Um, but, you know, I like to watch almost anything that he's in. Um, it's just for me, it's sort of kind of hard watching. Again, yeah. like you said, with Geostorm, to me, these movies sort of have this same feel. You know, it's well, at least heavily this in one, the news. At least this one, um, like Geostorm is all about, uh, well, Geostorms. Um, I think that one's just too, like, almost like a parody versus this. I think it does a little bit with um, some TLC. Yeah, but we have those four soldiers. That, that you know, for, for me, I get it. you know, I mean, it's hard because we're living that. Uh, you know, we see it now uh, daily. Uh, for me, I, I just wish that you know, movies today, today should be really entertaining. I, I don't mind the you know, I get the whole downer movie, but we see downer stuff in the news. Like it's just, it's just the cycle that we're in. But movies, like I want to come out of a movie feeling good. And I'm not saying that. Thank you for your service, which I, I wasn't far off. It's 76 percent on Rotten Tomatoes, which is a good score for a very small, you know, for for for, for a small movie. And I think it would be a very powerful, good movie. Um, it'll be interesting to see how it does against Suburbicon and Jigsaw. 
But, you know, I, a horror, the New York Times had an amazing piece about horror movies and how this has been the year of horror. And it's actually, this year has delivered us on our horror fans some good horror movies. Uh, it was Jigsaw going to be good or bad? I don't know until I see it. But, um, you know, who, who knows? We're, we're right in the cusp. Halloween yeah. is this weekend. Or we're going into Halloween. There's no better time to watch horror movies than on Halloween. There you go. So, All right. So. Thank you, fans, as always. We appreciate you. Um, let us know your thoughts and opinions on this movie. Um, if you did like it, let us know. You know, um, it's we you know I'd, I'd be curious as to why i'm not saying you're wrong i'm just curious yeah i want to know what it is that i missed oh actually too if if you are watching and you've read the books yes indeed um what are your thoughts on the what are your thoughts on the books no absolutely um and uh you know we'd also get international fans so if for some reason you're from the scandinavia region um you know does it portray your region properly. Yeah. I'd be curious to know that as well. Um, like I said, we're going to do Superbicon next week, so um, watch that if you want to follow along with us. Uh, feel free to dive back into our archives for various movies that we've covered in the past. Uh, Spider-Man Homecoming actually came out, so definitely check, uh, meaning on DVD, so definitely check out uh, our review of that. So did Annabelle? Yes, indeed. Just came out on, on Blu-ray as so, well. Lots of uh, lots of good stuff in the uh, archives. Absolutely. Uh, uh, so definitely check it out. Uh, on behalf of Dimitri Panos at DMovies1701. Thank you. Uh, it's good uh, to see you, Phil. Oh, we missed Marissa today. Uh, you know, it's, it's Halloween week. She doesn't like horror. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is horrible. Um, I'm at Phil Svitek. Work on my website. Get all the social media there. Thank you guys as always. We'll see you guys next time for another Anatomy of a Movie. Bye. Bye. From producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network, we would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit popcorntalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network. Those are the host programs. Do not necessarily reflect the views of the owners or principals.